So what did you make in May? So overall, within the, all the partners, because I said they were all JV agreement type things, we ended up making 90000 in assignments and 40000 of that went to myself. So 90000 and 40000 goes to you. How did that feel? Oh, it felt amazing. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. I am so excited to introduce my guest on the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, the Rhino Tribe. Welcome, Nico Fazio from DFW, Texas. Nico, I am excited to talk to you. You have a unbelievable story, an incredible story, and you had one of the toughest deals that you've had to bite your way through, and we're going to break it all down on this podcast episode. But first, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing good, Brenton. Thank you for having me. It's it's really exciting to be here. I got to be honest, I didn't think I was going to be on the show this early into the whole thing, but it was an awesome, awesome invitation. So thank you. Listen, the conversation that I have had with you when you started in TTP was, listen, I want to interview you in the next 90 days for the Wholesaling Inc. <laughs> podcast, and I want you to get out of the gates fast, and that's exactly what you did. Three yeah. deals. On Good Friday, you locked up three deals in April. You got them closed in May. We're going to break all that down. But before we do that, let's get a little bit of background about you, Nico. After high school, you graduate high school. What do you do? What did you do after high school? Yeah, so after high school, I went to college. I went to Penn State to get a degree. I wasn't too sure what I wanted to study in. Went all over the place. Started in engineering, then to journalism, then I decided it was just a typical college student, no idea like what the future holds kind of thing. Ended up landing on communications and I figured, you know, business communications would be the best bet. You could pretty much find any good corporate job to get into. And that was the idea, right? You go off high school, college, family ideals, get a good corporate job, get the golden watch and retire. And that's, that's the way you take care of your family. So that's that's where it all kind of started running from there. So is that what you did? You got right out of college, went into commun some communication job, some sort of corporate job. Like walk us through that. Yeah, out of college, I actually started in a hospitality firm. So I was always interested in real estate and it was a great opportunity for me to learn the hospitality side of things. So I got to do sales in, in a hotel and they were just, it was long hours. We got three days of PTO a year and I had to work every holiday that ever existed. So Family time just wasn't a thing, but, you know, coming right out of college, you think that's just part of the sweat and the grind that goes into being successful, but eventually it became a lot. I mean, family's a, a really big thing for me. I mean, growing up in an Italian family, that's, that's kind of like the, the heart of it all. Sure. So it just, it started to really eat away at that and opportunities arose to, to do other things. And so I moved on from there and eventually landing in Texas at a financial firm that seemed like the end all for, for my corporate journey. It was the best as far as pay goes, like the ideal like work situation I thought I was going to get into, had the best benefits, you know, like the whole perfect ladder system that would eventually get me to that retirement that I was looking for. And it wasn't until that started to kind of shake up and during COVID that things really kind of started to show themselves to me in a way that I started to realize like there was more to life than just working a, a nine to five every day. Love it. Let me ask you this. When did you start like 
personal development. You know what I mean? Like, were you, were you the kid in high school that was reading like Tony Robbins and, you know, Napoleon Hill and some of these other, or was that coming in college or did it start after you got into the corporate job and you're like, it's gotta be more to life than this. Like, when did you start that journey of personal development? Cause everybody that I interview on here has done that, right? Everybody yeah. that wants to become and becomes an entrepreneur goes through this process where they're like, you know what? I can't just rely on what other people are teaching me. I have to go and investigate and I have to be very curious and I have to go and learn things myself that I want to be in this position. So how do I get there? I got to, I got to pour into myself some, when did that start? It actually started for me after I left that corporate job. So sure. that's something I've been focused on. I really just thought it was about sacrifice and hard work and just putting your head down and eventually get to the finish line. So just following that rat race, it wasn't until after COVID and, and you know, the layoffs took place and I actually ended up meeting a, another TTP student through another mastermind, Phil Gore, who really opened my mind up to clarity and like really working on like your mental state and, and just working through all this, this darkness and stuff. Because I mean, when I got laid off from my, my nine to five at that point during COVID, it was like a real like earth shaker, right? Like all the things that you thought were true started to kind of fall apart. You started questioning your self value, like what you're capable of. So that, that really started sparking my mind. Like I got to really fix who I am and not just put it all into a job that's really eating away at that type of lifestyle. Yeah. And that I'm telling you, I mean, it really does. And once you start understanding that there's so much that you can sink your teeth into yourself and get you to where you want to go faster, all of a sudden it starts to become an addiction, right? You start yeah. listening to more podcasts, right? And more audibles. And then all of a sudden your whole lifestyle is changing. And instead of like entertainment at night, you're like reading and you're doing some other things. And it really just, all of a sudden it starts snowballing. And all of a sudden you're, you're starting to feel more confident that you can go out there and, and be an entrepreneur and make a difference out there. And obviously shout out to Phil Gore and that yeah. relationship because he's absolutely phenomenal and has that same that brilliant awesome. mind yeah. as well. And so that's, that was, that was your gateway, right? That was your gateway oh, yeah. to getting into real estate was, was going to a mastermind or like some sort of meetup group. Yeah, it was a blend of things. I mean, so, I mean, when I was working at that corporate job, the world was starting to shake. I initially thought, cause I talked to my parents, I talked to some friends in real estate and I thought real estate license agency, like that's, that's the real way to get into to real estate. It's the only way to get into real estate, truthfully, like from the ground floor. And so started going that path. It wasn't until it was the last week I was finally taking my test for my license that I was brought into the world of wholesaling. I, I think I stumbled into some little meetup group kind of thing. And they were just talking about, it. I'm like, what is this? Like, this doesn't sound like agency, but it's never, it's not something I've ever heard of. And I remember coming home that one night and I told my wife about it and, and my parents and they're like, that doesn't sound like something I've ever heard of. It's probably a scam. It's like a pyramid scheme, you sure. know, all, all that kind of stuff. So sure. but I just didn't feel like it was. So like, I, started digging more into it and it was the holiday season. So I had tons of time to really focus. So yeah, I started joining other masterminds, getting into groups, trying to find people who were doing it and just get an idea of what is wholesale. What is this process? And like what takes place? How do you do it? Do you need a license? Like what's the rules? Cause I was worried about that. I had used to have a very anxious mind. I've worked on that a ton, but you know, I was always worried like, am I going to go to jail if I try to do this now that I have a license and my super vulnerable or and not able to do it? Cause I, I was partnered with Keller Williams to start and they were very against it. Right. They, they, said it was taboo. They said that anybody who does wholesaling is like breaking the law almost. It's a very gray zone that we just don't deal with. So lots of transitions, lots of bad energy, bad thoughts. But I remember coming across one of your podcasts about flooding yourself with just good things, reading positive energy and, and just surrounding yourself with that type of momentum. And my wife was a huge proponent of that. So I'm very thankful for it. 
but it was it was that introduction that really started it all. Yeah, and listen, there's certainly bad actors in this business that that go about this business wrong, and it rubs real estate agents the wrong way, a hundred percent. So I can understand their interpretation of what wholesaling is. Obviously, when you go into an agreement, a written agreement, you need to make sure that the written agreement outlines what's going to happen in this process. And when people don't do that and disclose that, that's when issues come up. But when you do it right it's smooth sailing. It really is. And it, and it really is life-changing. You could find these opportunities and be able to help out the people that aren't really getting any attention from real estate agents or from the real estate industry in general. Listen, we all know that there's vacant houses out there that are boarded up. We all know that there's people breaking into those houses. We all know that there's houses that have fire damage or they're going through foreclosure or they just got inherited and people can't financially take care of them anymore. Like yep. these are the people that we're working with. It's the six to 10% of the real estate market that is in distress that we really focus on and that we really serve. It's not the 90 to 94% that the Keller Williams agents work with. It's the other people that they don't. And I think that that's the biggest misconception and something that you learned early on. But you went out there and you just started, you went to meetup groups, you just started networking. I mean, isn't that scary? (laughs) <laughs> like you did, you weren't from this industry. You didn't know anybody. You were just walking in, yeah. introducing yourself. And, and I mean, I mean, weren't you frightened? Were, wasn't there some apprehension? Oh yeah, it was, it was a, a big game changer. I mean, I didn't know the lingo. I didn't know what people were talking about. They're talking about sub twos. They're talking about creative finance. Like they're throwing out all these words and concepts and strategies. Like, like it's nothing, like it's something they just talk about on the, on the daily. And so I was totally in a whirlwind, but it was kind of just the mindset of, you know, fake it till you make it, meet the right people. And I mean, honestly, a lot of the people I met at these meetups were just so genuine and yep. really ready to help. Like it's, it's the craziest thing. Cause if like you go into the world, you think one, you have to be a lone wolf. You think that everyone's out to get you. It's, it's just you and like it's just competition heavy and like whoever you're trying to work with they're just going to try and cheat out of it one way or another and i had my dealings with wholesalers who were like that but I, at the same time i dealt with amazing people on the opposite side of the spectrum so and a, a big thing that changed my mind on that too was reading the go-giver when you recommended it and that that's really helped change that mindset pace too is, is just being surrounded by the right people and that will propel you forward no matter what is at stake It's so critical, especially when you get started. And I get this question a lot. What's the first thing that I should do? What's the first thing that I should do? And we go back to the motto of squat up, squat up with people that are doing this business, squat up with people that are consistent. They've been doing it a while. They've got that light in their eyes, right? That sparkle in their eyes, that electricity in their feet. They just, you you just want to be around them. You know that they're doing great. They're loud about it and they're, they're smiling. They're really willing to share and support and cheerlead you. That's most of the industry. It truly is. Most of the look into, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, and that was the big piece and takeaway. I was trying to do this by myself for the longest time. Just Uh dig the trenches, just bunker down, get in front of the laptop every morning and just do it, right? Just make my own scripts, make my own contracts and just give it a shot. And it just, it was going nowhere until I started just meeting the right people and getting out there and talking to people and actually meeting others who are willing to share their, their wisdom. I mean, I heard from a developer I met with a couple of days ago who said, you know, better to borrow wisdom than money a hundred percent of the time. And that's, that really came true as I push forward because people share experiences. They can help you through things that start to get complicated. And and it makes the scary stuff sound less scary because everyone's going through it together and that you know that somebody at some point has the answers or has your back or can guide you or help you in, in any kind of way. So you never really feel like you're at it alone. And that 
that started to really lighten that, that intensity. Yeah. That helped me start getting like real consistent activity. I love it. Yeah. That, that reminds me, and I'm not a huge fan of Tim Ferriss, but he's got an unbelievable quote that says, everything you want is already in somebody else's brain and yeah. questions are the pickaxe to get at that gold. Right. Yeah. And it's the absolute <laughs> truth, but you got to be comfortable and you be, you got to be confident. You got to be able to ask and, and talk to new people and be around new people and network and, and go there and just let everybody know that you're being proactive. You're going out there and you're finding these opportunities. You're just not sure what to do when you catch it. Right. You right. know what I mean? What do I do with it when I find the opportunity? Is this a deal or not a deal? And yeah. how big of a deal is it? And what do I do? And who do I work with? And how do I make sure that this is as smooth as possible? So I don't screw it up. Most yep. importantly for the seller, yep. and that I'm working with people that are actual really good buyers that I can build a good relationship with. So that's why it always helps to be around. I don't understand why the apprenticeship of of life isn't around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, every other industry, you're working under somebody, you're doing something. Real estate, we're just all like these rogues that are out there, and we're like, wow, we'll just figure it out by ourselves. You yeah, know, like we already figured out. Yeah, love it's, it. It's crazy. It really. Let is. me ask you this. Let me switch gears a little bit here. Okay. Right before you get on a phone call, what do you do to feel confident? Right before you're about to call a stranger, you're about to do a lead follow up. Maybe you're talking to your your buyers, your cash buyers on these deals. What do you do to feel confident? Well, the same thing I did before this actual interview is I first I take a couple of deep breaths. I jump around the room. And then I put on a big smile and just go right at it. So <laughs> people feel that you get the energy of yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's important. And then people definitely feel it. you can tell by the way that they just start talking to you and just right out of the gates, the defenses almost start coming down right away because they can tell that you're not trying to be sneaky. You're not trying to be like just some out of the blue guy, really. Like you, you come in so friendly and, and energetic and it just, it warms them up right from the get go. Love it. Absolutely love it. So let's break down this deal. We did yeah. lock up three deals on Good Friday. On Good which, Friday. Which is absolutely phenomenal. That'll be something that you never forget. Nope. Right? Lock up three deals, not one, not two. You didn't go for just, oh, I'm going to do my first deal and I'm going to tiptoe into this thing. You're like, no, you know what? I'm going to lock up three in the same day and really challenge myself. So talk about how you found those three and then let's break down one that you find is the most interesting. Yeah. So they all came from different I guess like walks of life. And so I was part of both your program and Astro Flipping at that same time. Awesome. So one of them came in as an Astro Flip. I, I was, again, doing those meetups, reaching out to people. I have my license. So here in Texas, because we're non-disclosure, it, it makes a lot of third-party comping apps difficult to use or to sure. data. So I was just going out there and saying like, hey, you know, if you need help comping a deal, working through the numbers, like I can use my MLS access to really get you the, the most accurate information. And so I came across a guy in one of the, the meetup groups I was a part of who was just struggling to move a deal. And we found out it was pricing that was that was screwing it up. So we were able to work that out, but it ended up being an astro flip because I was able to help take the deal off his hands because he was struggling with his buyers and then give it to a partner of mine who had an exceptional buyers list who knew it could perform. And we we analyzed it together. And from there, it was just, it was just like a boom, 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 like a little astro flip kind of thing. And it just was off the races right away. It was just adding value to somebody. Can you explain real quick, Nico, what an astro flip is for anybody that's never heard of that terminology or those two words slammed together? So, I mean, it's called a bunch of things, but essentially it's when you help one wholesaler at the beginning, who's the acquisition wholesaler, the one who finds a deal and works with the seller directly. And then you put in either an option or an assignment to take that deal off their hands, take that burden away. 
And then you then assign your assignment to a dispo wholesaler who has a phenomenal relationship with buyers who can then dispo it out and get the transaction closed. Love it. Yeah. Basically, you're not the buyer, but you've got a bunch of buyers you're going to put it in front of right. and you're going to get paid to be the disposition to sell it to the yeah. actual cash buyers. You're the great connector. You're That's it. Together. That's, all right. Yeah. So you did that one. Did what that other one? one? There's three uh, in there. There's three in there. So then there was another one. There was a guy that popped up on the foreclosure list who wasn't in foreclosure. Not really sure how that happened. I never even brought up to him that he was noticed in the foreclosure list because I went through all the ask questions and he never brought it up once. And we were going to actually try to do a sub two deal on it. And we looked into the finances too, and there was never any indications of the foreclosure. So I really don't know how he ended up there, but Fortunately, he did because it was still a situation where he needed help. He was down on his luck with finances. He really just needed to get rid of the house that he was in. It was in pretty bad shape. And he really just wanted money so he could move out to see his daughter in California. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to work out a deal and we were actually head to head with Open Door on this one. And Open Door was offering him a, a big sum of money, something that was really hard to compete with as far as a wholesaler goes. But because I took the time to actually go there and talk to the guy, and we, so the first actually just a little backtrack. We had an initial meeting and I missed them. He just, he wasn't at the house when he was supposed to be there and he felt horrible about it. And apparently it was me and another wholesaler who was going out to meet him that day. The first wholesaler came, knocked on the door, nobody answered, he just left. But I went to the door and nobody answered. And I was like, okay, how can I maybe stand out a little bit, get his attention, give me a call because I missed him and there's some miscommunication there. So I wrote him a little note saying that I stopped by and that I wanted to get him the money he needed to buy that RV. He was really hoping to buy to cross country to his daughter. And so he saw the note there. He gave me a call right away when he got home. And he was like, you know, that little, that little piece is just what- A little stuck. touch. That little touch is it just stuck with him. He was sold on it. He was so happy that I took the time to like, remember that little part about our conversation. And from there, it was just going through the motions, helping him understand the title process and no time at all. By the end of May, we were he was cash in hand, happy as can be, and on the on the way to see his daughter the next month. So I so, love it. Isn't that the best? Oh yeah, that That's, is incredible. What I love the most is just seeing the the change of lifestyle for these people who really need it. Now let's talk talk about this tough one. Yep, because it is always interesting when you get an attorney involved. Oh yeah, that was one hell of a learning experience, and I am grateful for Phil being in the mix of this because it was not his first rodeo with an attorney, so it made it a little more tolerable. But it was still it was still an uphill battle from the get go. So this guy came off of a probate list, and we were using all the leads at that time for the list data. And from the, the start, the guy was very cool, collected, easy to work with, good conversations. He appreciated just my diligence and knowledge on you know, what was going on in the probate process and trusted me to really take care of him from start to finish. Great conversations. He had a price in mind. The price he had in mind worked, but, you know, just talked to him a little bit more. We was able to negotiate those a little bit less. We were set to send him a contract at 150000 drafted it up, sent it on its way, thought he was going to sign it that night and we'd be good to go next morning. Now, now real quick, Nico, how far along in the probate process was he? And just for everybody that, yeah. listen, I was very confused in what probate is, but basically if yeah. somebody passes away and they don't have a will, making it very clear who's going to inherit the property has to go through the courts. The courts yeah. make sure that they determine who's going to be the personal representative. And this takes time. Some places it only takes six months. Some places it takes a year. Right. So how far along in the process was he? He was pretty much in the middle of it. So okay. He had a couple of weeks still to go through it. 
and still trying to navigate everything. His family friend was the attorney working the probate for him, which comes back to bite us later. But so his family friend was the one who was, he was kind of shepherding him through the probate process. But and he was still learning it as he was going. But fortunately, there was a will in place and he was the only inheritance. So it made it a smooth transition. Because right. I talk to people who are multiple heirs and you have uh, no will in, uh, in place. So that causes even more of a rocky start. But fortunately, that part was an easier piece to, to start with. Awesome. So you're, you're going, you're negotiating with this guy. Yeah. This guy's excited to work with you. You guys put together a deal, right? And he's like, I got to review it with my attorney. Yeah. So we sent him the contract. He was super excited. He was getting about the money he was hoping for. He knew he was getting full cash because the house paid off. So he was stoked. We were stoked. It was my first deal. It was the first contract that I ever sent out. So he's, I was thinking he was going to see it, read it really quick. We have a, it's like a three page contract and sign it and boom, like we send the title the next day. He gets it and maybe like 10 minutes later, he sends me a text saying, Hey, it looks great. I just want to review it with my attorney. I was like, okay, do we have anything to worry about? So I'm talking with Phil, like, you know, what's going to happen. And he rose confidence in me. He's like, you know, usually it's, it's pretty much okay. Like we have nothing in there that should be like alarming as far as like verbiage in, in, in the contract. So I was like, okay, I guess we should be okay. Next day comes around and we, I get a phone call from this guy telling me that the attorney is telling him that we're, we're super low volume and that we're taking advantage of it. The house is worth way more. And if you just went ahead and listed it with an agent that they can get X, Y, Z value out of it really quick. So, and aside from that, the attorney was like, actually at the end of the day, I want to buy it. And then we were like, okay, well, what's he want to buy it for? Right? Like, let's see if we can negotiate and we're going to come up on price. So there's still enough margin there for us to work on it. Sure. And he said that he wants to buy it for 200 grand flat. And we, we predicted that it would be valued at maybe 210 to dispo it. And what well, offer did you give him? We gave him 150,000, which he so was asking for. 50,000 apart. Yeah. 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 Way, way off now. And now we're left with about 10 to 5,000, if just for discrepancy sake on the, the ARV of wiggle room, which could also disappear pretty quickly. Cause at this point too, we haven't seen the house. So we've only really gone off of a couple pictures. We were just having good conversations with the seller. The price seemed very good for the market. So we were like, let's just put on the contract and then kind of renegotiate if we have to, if the conditions are horrendous. So yeah, so then the attorney comes in, tells him he wants to buy the house instead, and he's going to buy it from him for 200,000, no questions asked, just to pretty much get rid of us. And so he told me that and I was like, okay, I can't do 200,000. <laughs> like, it's just not going to work. And. I tried to, to first go back and say, like, you know, we had a great conversation. I thought we had a great relationship. Like, you know, like, I'm really ready to help you. And we're ready to make like, this happen within two weeks flat. Like, we could really, we could really provide all this value for you. And he saw it, but I mean, the money started to tickle his ear. And he was just like, I, I got to sell to the attorney unless you could do better. I'm like, well, I definitely can't do better. And I think the most we could do was, I think we said like 170. For, for that one. And he originally wanted 160. So I was willing to kind of try to give him 10,000 over what he really wanted for it initially. So yeah, didn't really work out. The attorney just dragged his feet on it, was saying that he wanted to go see the house. He was going to send some guys over to look at it. I don't think he ever sent anybody to look at it. So like two, three weeks go by and then the attorney decides, actually, you know what? I don't want to buy the house, but you should definitely listen with a, a, an agent because you should be getting more money for this house. Sure. But the way that I helped with that was, as he came back and he told me all this. And I knew initially when we were first speaking, he didn't want to work with an agent because one, he didn't trust agents. He was one of the people who just believes that they're, they're kind of out to get the seller. And I told him they're not all like that, but there is a process involved and you know, there's fees involved. He's, he's saying that you're going to list it for this much. If you listed it for 200,000, you know, you're paying 
typically 3% to the seller commission. You're paying 3% on the buyer's commission. And I mean, I told you when I was going to buy this, I'm covering closing costs. That's not going to be the case usually in, in an out-of-market transaction. And there's a lot more headache here involved. And with it being in probate, there's going to be a little bit more like caveats. And then the last part is that you have tenants in, in, in the building. And tenants who he felt were like family members to him, they weren't treating him all the best as far as the situation goes, but he was passionate about these tenants. So that's where I focused my attention in was helping them on their next steps because he was worried about where would they go? Sure. And where would they get there? And just navigating the rental market right now was just as chaotic as navigating the housing market right now. Sure. So it was helping them with moving costs. We were trying to help them with all this added value where we could. And I said, if I was to, to help pay for some of that stuff, could we still do the 150? And he wasn't really for it. He was he had a, his he was set now that the house is worth 200,000. He wasn't going to get a penny less. So it took a lot of back and forth. And eventually we agreed that, you know, if we were to, to still help out a little bit and take care of his, his tenants and help him get the value and not have to deal with a real estate agent, we could do the, the 180 and he was happy with it. He was really wanting the 190 after that, but we came back because he felt kind of bad for leaving me in the dust for a while after sure. that, that drag work took place. So eventually we got on the contract for 180 and then it was a little rocky to get it to close. But I mean, as are all things within this industry. So yeah, so we finally got him under a contract for 180 then. 180 and then you went out and sold it for how much? We actually ended up selling it to a person who wanted to buy and hold it for 214000 So we got a little over asking what we were expecting. 214000 So you made 34000 $34,000. $34,000. Here we go. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. And we're, real quick, so this was, was it a text message or a cold call that got you the initial conversation? Text message got me in front of him. The phone conversation that we had, though, really locked him in. There you go. And I am telling you guys, it is so critical. There are three parts to this business. Lead generation, conversion of those leads into a signed agreement, and the exit strategy. Obviously, with wholesaling, we assign those deals. But I'm telling you, that middle part, that conversion, your ability to get on the phone and communicate effectively with these property owners is the key. It is the magic. I am telling you, because if you, get, if you feel like you're bulletproof there, you will get on the phone more you will send out more texts you will go knock on more doors you will send out more mail or do more pay-per-click or do facebook ads or billboards or whatever else but it all comes down to having a quality conversation with a distressed property owner at some point mm -hmm. understand if you if you pre-qualify them based on the property condition their timeline to sell that property, their motivation or what is their main problem and their price, you can get unbelievably talented on the phone. And that's exactly what Nico did. He sent the text message, followed it up with a phone call, got him on the phone and made it happen. So I celebrate you all in all from those three deals. How much do you make in the month? Because you closed all these in May. So what'd you, what did you make in May? So overall, within the, all the partners, like I said, they're all JV agreement type things. We ended up making 90,000 in assignments and 40,000 of that went to myself. So 90,000 and 40,000 goes to you. How did that feel? Oh, it felt amazing. It was so good. And it was so good to have so many people involved because we have to all share in that success. So it just made it feel more. It's the best. It was a big celebration. Type it's the best. I love <laughs> it.
I love yeah. it. That is so incredible. I mean, listen, you you had been you had been eyeing this business. Like most people that are going to listen and watch this, you're yeah. going to sit back, you're going to look at it, you're going to kind of put it on the shelf for a little bit, and then you're going to pick it back up. And then over the 12, 18, 24 months of that seed being in your brain, kind of starting to starting to pop up a little bit, <laughs> starting to get going. At some point, you're going to start taking action, and it's going to yeah. change your life just like it's changing Nico. And this is just the start. This is just the start. I mean, you're working on a nice pipeline of opportunities. I know that. And this is how you build a unbelievable cash cow that then goes and funds all your real estate deals, all your portfolio, all your wealth building activities. So we celebrate you, Nico. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It's so happy to have uh, the bell ring for me. That's it's like a moment. That's awesome. Well, listen, you deserve it. So speak now to Anybody out there that is on the fence, you know, they're thinking, do I start, do I brave going in and meeting some other people that are already doing this business? Do I brave going and knocking on that door, that house down the street that I know is in rough condition and it needs a remodel or call this person or whatever else? Like what, what advice would you give somebody that just needs that extra little push of motivation, that little minds mindset shift? Yeah. in their brain so that they can get into this business and and understand what we do, that it's the greatest business of all time. 100%. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it obviously is, is, is talking to people, but it's not even just like talking to the sellers or talking to the buyers. My, my world changed when I started talking to people doing the business. Yep. Right? When I reached out and I talked to Phil Gore, when I talked to other people, I mean, I've made it phenomenal friends in this industry. I've learned incredible things and I continue to still do so is because I surround myself with a ton of great people who are just inspiring and motivating and just all looking to see each other succeed because that's where you get that value. And so, I mean, if you're afraid to talk to the sellers, if you're afraid to talk to the buyers, then go meet with other wholesalers and then do it together. Like go door knock together, do cold calling together. Like Phil and I would talk about times like just running through conversations that we had with people, going over the texts that we're sending people. Like it was really just a matter of like having somebody there who's going through it with you makes it just seem first less scary because then it's like, okay, well, other people are going through this and they're surviving. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the one to like throw it all away. And then like when you come to those complications, you know, you have reliable people you can count on who have your back through every moment. And I mean, I'm hoping to do the same thing for, for people like Phil's done for me is just be there to support one another and just continue to learn and teach and grow and event we're all going to succeed together and that makes the biggest impact love it how can people get a hold of you what's the best way if people want to reach out if they want to jv if they just want to congratulate you yeah probably social media i mean either instagram or, or facebook my name is as it is on facebook so you can spell it out for everybody that's just listening to the podcast <laughs> that is n-i-c-c-o-l-o and then fazio is f-a-z-i-o probably the only one in texas so yeah i guarantee it yeah, yeah that that is incredible so we'll put it in the show notes as well everybody so make sure you guys connect with them tell them congratulations and if you want to squat up in the dfw area make sure that you do if you want to squat up around the country make sure that you do who has one of those hearts that is ready to serve and help and, and support and cheerlead so thank you nico really great to have you on here i'm so happy for the momentum that you're building and i'm excited to see what you do in the future brother oh i can't wait i'm gonna keep on sharing and hopefully helping a bunch of people along the way awesome 
Awesome, Nico. And that's it. That's it for our podcast. Thank you for joining us again. If you're interested in joining the most proactive group in real estate investing, it is the TTP coaching program. It is the TTP family. Go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. That's wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. Check out what it's all about. Check out the incredible wholesalers from around the country that are part of this community like Nico here. And if it feels good in your gut, sign up for a call and I look forward to working with you personally. And I sign off as I always do, encouraging you to go out there and talk to people. Till next time. Love you guys. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.